Hey, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Hey, welcome to another installment of Box Number Five Soul Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. I am Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. So let's start with life updates. Um, you right. go first, sis. I was just going to ask if I could, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so life updates. Um, I voted today. Um, excited, excited, excited. So a couple things. I recommend that everybody go out and vote early. Um, they In Georgia in particular, they're already playing the reindeer games with the systems crashing and starting back up. At both, pre- we had to leave one precinct because the line was 10 lines deep. They had to start, the lines were so long, they had to start stacking the lines next to each other. And it was 10 lines across. And it was wrapped around the building. And it was like, so one, it was exciting to see that many two people. Two, it was a little bit nervous, nerve-wracking because of COVID. That's why we didn't stay too long, bitch. And three, um, the poll workers were coming out and like telling us, like, we're so sorry. The system is moving slow, so slow that when it is working, it's just taking us a while and it's crashing. So there were people in there that were waiting. Like at one point, we were in that line, we, made, we waited for maybe like 30 minutes. But in that 30-minute period, the machines were down. So we went ahead and punched because we were like, well, we're not going to wait. And because the line, because at this point, it was getting close to the rush hour, like people getting off work trying to vote. So we were like, and this was the day crowd, by the way, that was that long. So I can only imagine what's going on now. Shout out to the poll workers here in Georgia. Um, When I did go to the second precinct to vote, um, it was a lot better as far as crowds it was still a long line but it was a, they were moving more efficiently but then right before right after i voted when t air was like literally behind me in line i was able to get my information in and they gave me my little card to go to the machine to put in the vote behind me the, the system was crashing and it took t air like an additional 45 minutes and he was right behind me in line to actually vote and to get his card to vote and so just for those people out there who are in Georgia, the people and the precincts were saying that they've complained to the Secretary of State, but that there's really not anything that people are trying to do to address it. And there was a, a, a black lady that was hinting to me, she said she had been working 15 hours the previous day, and she hinted to me that there's only certain counties that are having this problem. And so, and you know how that go. There, you know what counties it was. It goes without saying. So if you live in Georgia, particularly if you live in one of these minority, minority, um, m- minority majority counties, where it's a lot of us or other type of brown, black, and all kinds of different other folks, people of color, if you live in one of those counties, you Gwinnett, DeKalb, Fulton in, in Georgia, Cobb, bitch, motherfucking um, Clayton County, all the way on down, girl. If you are in Georgia, you need to be trying to vote early. The, the workers are wonderful people. I mean, no shade. It was like everybody was really understanding. Even the white poll workers girl were really giving like, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Matter of fact, it was a white man that was really telling us all the tea and where to call to, to complain. 
So just y'all go out and vote. It's important. Um, I know where I know in different states, I think it's like 40 states right now that are doing the early voting. If you have the opportunity, I would suggest you do definitely wear your mask. They're not going to let you in the building without it. So just make it happen. Other than that, life is good. No complaints. My last podcast this week had open to great reviews. It featured my husband, Tierra Turner. So feel free to check that out. Um, I also did a live after show with Chris Patterson this last weekend, and that really got a lot of great responses. Um, Aeon also was a great participant in that conversation. Um, I also did a giveaway on that podcast. I mean, on that podcast after show for the Lion That Still Lives podcast and with Chris. And um, you, for the ladies that did comment on the thread, you will be receiving your mace in the mail. Um, uh, I w it was donated by V Prince and Associates. Her and her friends, some cis women got together and decided they wanted to help trans women um, be as safe as possible with the only money, with the way they knew how. And they went online and, you know, she went and bought some really, really cute little maces that can like hook on your purse or be in your purse and not too much. So just for, if you, if, for those of you girls that did comment and, you know, participate in the thread, I will be sending it out to you. And thank you for everything. So, girl, that was my update. What about you? Girl, just um, starting another work week. Um, this weekend, I was basically working all weekend. I was going to um, say, you was busy as fuck, right? Yeah, working all weekend. And um, we were closed um, for Indigenous People's Day. So I tried to relax a little bit, but... Today was my first day back to work, and, you know, literally everything that goes on, particularly with this administration, affects my job, so mm, I have a lot on my right. plate, um, so just trying to work, you know, work through everything and not get stressed out. Also, um, I'm, I'm intending on voting tomorrow evening, so... Um, here where I'm at in the D.C. area, they actually have started, they've had early voting open for like a couple of weeks, and now it's moving into like the second phase of early voting where they're open like satellite locations. Um, and then I checked online, my registration has went through for the new state that I'm living in, I'm in the D.C. area. Uh, but I saw something on the news today that gave like, cause so, I, so I'm in Virginia outside of D.C., and today is the last day to um, register to vote in Virginia. So while when I was looking, just, you know, doing research, it's been multiple news stories that said that the power went out. Somebody cut the power at the Virginia Department of Elections headquarters. Wow. And it, it was an accidental outage on the last day to register to vote. Oh, wow. And they're not going to extend it, of course. Right. Like, it's just like wait for the day you're fucked. Right. So if you, and then it it took them like three weeks to process mine. Wow. It took them like yeah, so the, the fix is in, y'all. Please vote. Right. So um one of the um satellite locations is like in walking distance of my apartment. So um in the first day of the satellite locations um opening is tomorrow. So like I said, I can't wait. Like I just like I just have anxiety that I have not voted yet. And mm -hmm. I just want to do it as soon as possible so we can get um that man up out of the White House. Um also trying to um established care with like an LGBT um, center so I can get my trans health care. 
Um, I was plucked today, and I'm gonna say their name, Walker Whitman. It it doesn't make any so girl. I literally so with the type of insurance that I have, I have like a um, HMO. So Mm -hmm. in order for me to go see specialists, I have to be referred out. Right, you gotta go to that little place first, and then they right. Yeah. So. You know, I have different medical needs that require me seeing specialists. So, at first, I tried to go to the specialist, not realizing how my insurance worked. And then, once the people told me, I've been like for the past week, it's like I've been reaching out to Walker Whitman trying to set up an appointment. So, first, I sent them an email. I did everything I was supposed to do. They didn't get back to me. So today, I'm like, well, I need to call and get an appointment because. I don't, you know, need to keep waiting. Like, I kind of want to, you know, handle my business and get what I need to get done. Right. You settled in a new city. You want to get it together. Right. And that particular location, well, now a a lot of the locations, because even in Howard Brown, you can't just walk up in there. And they say on their website for Walker Whitman that they're they're not accepting walk-ins. There's no waiting areas. Cool. I respect that. Bitch, make sure your online intake or your phone system is up and running. Like, girl, I call on three separate occasions, and it's just like I'm I have like exorbitant wait times, and then the wait will be so long that the call will disconnect. Oh no, ma'am. So and and girl, all I want to do is schedule an appointment to get up in there. Damn. Like, it's not like I'm trying to, like, I need to, and I don't even really need to see the doctor. I just need to see the doctor to, like, establish initial contact and get my referrals so I can go on about my business. Exactly. So that shouldn't take all of this back and forth. Were you able to get in contact with anyone at all? No. Well, like, I would get in contact with people, and then they would put me on hold. And then I would be on hold so long that the call would disconnect. So it's just like... So I, you know, I e- I sent an email back complaining, and then I filed a formal complaint. But it's just like Miss Walker Whitman, get it together, get it together. Like to me, it's just unacceptable. Especially when all I'm trying to do is set a damn appointment. Yeah, like it's just like it's just it's unacceptable to me. Get it together. I hate health insurance. I ha- I hate the way that our healthcare system is set up because. Like, going through all of these barriers, bitch, it makes you just want to say fuck it and not, you know, be on top of your health and then just wait till you go to the ER. Because it's just like, it's so much red tape. And no shade, girl. It kind of makes me wish I was back in Illinois on my fucking Medicaid, my Medicare. (laughs) No shade. Even when I had my Illinois state Medicare, my house shit my house even when I was going through my chemo I didn't have to pay a dime and I could go to any hospital I wanted to that was located in Cook County and it wasn't all this racist but you know you done moved too close to the south now bitch (laughs) yeah girl but it's just it's just it's frustrating and like me not be, you know, girl, I'm a very like task oriented girl, and me not being able to cross this off my list, girl, fucked up my mood. So now it's like now I have to like do this again tomorrow, which is taking time away from me focusing on my work assignments at work to get this done because it's like I have other things I need to do. 
Exactly. And you're trying to be on top of your healthcare. Imagine the people that don't have your persistence, that right. don't have your ability to advocate like that for yourself, to file a complaint, that don't feel empowered to be able to do that. Like, th this is really, really discouraging. And people are blaming COVID, but no, bitch, that's bad system because I'm just trying to call and make an appointment. Right. And like, usually I would have just um, bust through and popped up on them, girl, but you can't, you know, I don't want to have the police MPD called on me, but it's just like, damn, can I make a, a simple little appointment? And I'm like, I don't even want the doctor to touch me. I just want to get, get referred out so I can, you know, get, you know, the things I need to get done so I can live the best life I can live throughout all of this that's going on in the world. Damn. I mean, for real. Well, I'm sorry you're going through that, sis. Keep us updated on that progress. Yeah, but any, but anyway, you know, you know, work is still work. Um, family life is still um, at a pause, you know, as per the last show. Um, not really entertaining a dating life. Although, you know, I feel, I feel, I've been meeting, so I've been meeting guys, but I've been meeting guys that I can tell are really nice guys, but like I'm not ready to go down like the dating path. And because I, I guess because I'm a woman and because I'm very hyper aware of emotions, like I'm the type of girl, it's like I can see that you really want to get to know me and you know be nice. And not saying that I don't want that eventually, but I'm not gonna waste your time and string you along. Like not, you yeah. know, not, I don't feel like I'm in the best position to be like the best like dater or friend is, you know, I just, so, you know, I can't, because I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that girl that turns a guy off to the girls because my attitude is nasty. You or know what? I'm going. I wish I'm more women in this world thought like you. I really do wish more women in the world thought like you. Cause at a certain point, you know, you may want and desire a relationship and that doesn't change. But like you gotta know your your ebbs and flows and where you are in your in the part of your life. And I like that you are have you are um, self aware enough and you have an, you, that you can do the self analysis to be able to say you know what not right now. And that's dope. But that doesn't mean it's not it's forever because I do know you to be the kind of girl that does want that. But I like that you're letting other girls know that want it. You don't have to be thirsty. Right. No. I, and I've been meaning like, you know, some of them are assholes, but I've, I've been meeting guys that are not only are relationship material, but that are trying to get to know me. And, you know, I just have to be very clear. Like I only have the capacity to give this. And since this, since these are clearly your intentions, you know, I'm just going to bow out because I don't want to sour your perception to the girls or think like I'm playing on your time in that way. So, you know, it's not, it, you, it, even to the point where guys will, you know, want the relationship or want to get to know me, but th they feel like they have to settle for like a sexual thing. I'm like, no, I'm not even going to like, because if if you want something more, I feel like you should find somebody that's there. I'm not there. I'm going to distract you. Yeah. I, and I'm just going to be crystal clear because I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me. I and it. I just don't feel like I would be like... I don't feel like I, like at this particular point, I don't feel like with a dating situation, I don't feel the warmest right now. And I feel like I could be neglectful. Mm. Um, and you know, I just don't want to um, do that to anybody. I feel you. I feel you. 
So, yeah, but yeah, I've been having a lot of guys like approach me, or maybe because it's getting colder. I don't know. But, you know, boo season is upon us. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. But I was going to ask you, um, did you, um, have you been watching um, the Barrett confirmations? I've been glued to the TV all morning before I went to vote. And then, Girl, um, I, I'm all, I'm already my anxiety is already high. I I don't need to I have no desire to watch that lady sit up there and lie, acting like she's not going to rule the way she has her track record has shown well, what, her in the past. Well, what I love that the Democrats did today was um so there was a Democratic senator, I believe he was from Ohio or I'm not sure, but I don't wanna I don't wanna give the wrong state the credit, but there was a um, a particular um, oh bitch okay well anyway uh, <laughs> there was a particular um, lady I mean excuse me a man today that that really went in and he went in about how dark money has been used to fund the republic how the Republicans have used dark money in these like non disclosure organizations like these fe- these groups that have like names like federalist group or whatever and they look like pretty innocuous names but it's really a way to lot to to watch to wash the identity off of money and donate to causes well these big these big super PACs and these big funding things have spent over 250 million dollars on making sure their judges the judges that they want get elected and this has been over a period of time but particularly for her they spent tens of millions of dollars in advertising in all kinds of stuff and a lot of and they were and they were saying how this is uncommon and particularly with her being forced to be elected i mean forced to be um confirmed before the end of the election all the republicans backpedaling they did a great job of showing even though she was trying to play miss neutral and had her black kids behind her today um i think they did a great job of showing they would not spend this amount of money on you if they didn't feel like there was some type of payoff. And in your past record, the way you even, girl, they was pulling up. I didn't even, girl, like paying attention to this really let me know you have to be careful when you want to progress in law because they were, they were reading her for shit that she wrote in reviews back in the early thousands, bitch, and in, 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 in articles. They were going back through her previous dissents and cases and pulling out like, one sentence girl and making her explain it like they were really going in i will say i would she does appear to be very knowledgeable about the rule of law she does appear to be um extremely knowledge like i i she I, I i will not doubt her competence to be a judge i do believe that she has that but i you could feel like she refused to condemn president trump for um or not she refused to acknowledge that president trump does not have the constitutional authority to like hold back the results of an election and she refused to acknowledge that she's like well i would have to see and talk to my law clerks and talk to these people and they were like no girl ultimately the buck stops with you so if you're not like you're he's preparing for this to go to supreme court and putting you there for that purpose and you don't think that you know um you don't think that that's something we should talk about and you know she was really using ruth bader ginberg's um you know, you know. I guess she made a famous quote about not giving, um, not not giving um, preludes and or prepping or talking about what she would do in a case because as a judge she wants to make sure that she's staying out of that. But girl, girl, but she's using that to not answer any of the questions. So they're asking her about stuff, and she's like, "Well, I would have to see the case as a judge. I don't want to violate the judge jurisprudence, whatever the fuck they were calling it." And like, 
it was just really, really interesting um, to see the the backpedaling, the stepping, and how every Republican person was pretty much licking her, licking her cunt, baby, giving her the most, you know, trying to make it seem like she is the most unfair and unbiased. It's like, well, if that's the case, why are y'all so pressed? So this is an interesting process. I feel like it's knowledgeable for me, at least, to kind of get, because, you know, trying to, trying to get, I, today I got a better understanding of why she's so problematic. Um, and so then I think, you know, even though it was kind of stressful and kind of intense to watch her, to watch them people sitting up, they lying like that. I respect the fuck out of the Democrats today for putting up a good, um, showing how she could be compromised simply because of the amount of money that's been invested in her. Right. Yeah. So it was. Well, at the the end of the day, it's going to be up to the Republicans to do the right thing over um, being allegiant to the administration. Mm -hmm. So you know, you know, I'm happy that the Democrats are putting up a good fight. But at the end of the day, it's out of the Democrats' hands. It really is. It really is. Like she's going to get confirmed because there's really nothing to truly disqualify her. Right. You know what I'm saying? So she's going to get confirmed. I picked I peeked that tease today, bitch, because they didn't really have no dirt on her. And then, you know, and 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 they and though they're making compelling arguments about the potential for her to vote a certain way, she's doing a great job of just not answering any questions really, except for for the Republicans that are footballing her these easy ass answers, you know. And she's a constitutional law professor, so she's able to answer constitutional questions very easily. And people were so impressed that she doesn't have books or no notes. She's just off the top of her head listing, you know, extreme, like going deep into case law off the top of her head. And that's cool. But yeah, bitch, I still don't trust you. Right. Yeah, girl. I had, yeah, I, I see it's on, you know, on my, my news ticker and on my YouTube, but like at the end of the day, what's going to happen is going to happen. It's out of our, you know, at, when we look back at this in 30 or 40 years, you know, our legacy won't be tarnished because the, you know, the people that know better are standing up and doing the right thing. It's the people on the other side that are literally ruining their legacy. Ruining their like, and this is this is the day of yesteryear where we just want to forget about what you did. Like we are in the social media, like everything is documented. You're literally ruining your legacy to maintain power and destroying our country. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So true, so true. But I wanted to bring that out there because you know the Supreme Court may not seem. You know, it seems so distant to so many people, but, you know, her opinions on Roe v. Wade that she said in the past, all of these things, you know, she's, she was her, she considers her mentor to be Judge Scalia. And a lot, and if you, and anyone that knows anything about, you know, how the Supreme Court has decided, he's, he was an extremely conservative judge. And, you know, she was actually, they actually were quoting her talking shit about um, Chief Justice Roberts because he, um, he, upheld the uh, Obamacare and she was and they brought up stuff that she said about that so do not pay do not be deceived by wolves in sheep's clothing y'all we have to be very woke and we have to remember that they are planning to pull a stunt with these this voting and even after the voting with the results so we just got to be vigilant and we we don't have we can't afford to be passive no absolutely absolutely not so um yeah 
you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. You know, I'm planning on voting and like, you know, it, you know, isn't the revolution is with the people. So, you know, as long as we have, we still have breath in our body, I'm still fighting. And even, yeah. even once Kamala and Joe Biden get in, we're going to be pushing back against them because they, they're not talking about no defund the police. Last time I checked, so like, you know, oh, the, the battle, battle continues. Yeah, the battle will continue. There's always going to be something to push back against. So, we, so, oh, girl, let let's just get into our topic, girl. Okay, let's move on. So last last week, um, we lost somebody like just somebody very like monumental to our community somebody who has really done has really created the foundation and created a um a tapestry for our community that everybody who talks about transness particularly like black trans feminine transness or black Mm -hmm. transness in general like that whole framework Mm -hmm. like she she it's because of her it's because of the work she did it's because of the legacy that she's she's left behind um monica roberts who was who's the creator of the trans griot blog that has changed so many of our lives yeah um, we lost her last week, and it was it was unexpected. Um, it was painful. Um, it was just a it was just a reminder of how fragile and how precious life is, and how you just have to um, treasure people and value people because people are not here forever. And you know, like the Trans Griot blog, it is literally it's changed my life. It really when I came across it, it changed my life. And then once I got to know Monica Roberts as mm-hmm. a person and meet her and um, you know, have a relationship with her and just have her um pour into me and speak positive things to me and um, you know, it it's just to me. I, I saw her as the icon and I was able to see her as the person. And I'm glad that I was, you know, I was a privileged to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but that, I think that makes the loss even more painful. I agree. I agree. Do, Brianna, do you mind if at this moment, um, I'm, I, I have an article that I pulled up here from the New York times um, kind of doing, and I think they did a good job of kind of like, giving a, 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 just a brief synopsis of her. And so do you mind if I take a second? Sure. So this article in the New York Times written by um, Stephen Kurutz. I'm sorry if I mispronounced the name, K-U-R-U-T-Z, Kurutz. Um, it, it talked about the late, great Monica Roberts. Um, so Miss Roberts started her blog, Transgrio, in 2006 at a time when coverage of transgender issues by the mainstream media was limited. Monica Roberts, a transgender advocate and journalist who chronicled the lives and sometimes the deaths of transgender people through her blog, Transgrio, died on October 5th at her home in Houston. She was 58. Her mother, Mabel Roberts, confirmed the death. She said that Ms. Roberts had complained of chest pains the day before her death and a medical examiner found blood clots in her lungs. 
In the West African tradition, a griot is a storyteller. And Miss Roberts set out to tell the stories and history and lived experiences of the transgender community. She started her blog in 2006 and it was limited it was limited and deemed often offensive by those by those being covered um she covered transgender issues that were oh i'm sorry she covered transgender issues that were that were that were limited and often deemed offensive by those that were covered um she had, on the blog she announced herself as a quote unquote apologetic unapologetic black trans woman speaking truth to power and discussing the world around her and that's how she described her blog and I just wanted to put that out there because even beyond the, her blog work, I just wanted to make people know that she was someone that was interested in having the written legacy of our lives, our issues, our struggles, our loves, our successes being told. And I think that's a special place in, you know, in, in our community that a lot of people are occupying. A lot of us have content but she actually has chronicled, she was actually able to chronicle decades of trans living and the issues that affect us. And um, like, like Brianna said, I had the privilege of knowing the Miss Roberts, the person, and she, I called her Auntie Moni. And she was someone that I could always reach out to, no shade, like in the inbox or the DM if I had any concerns about anything. She was the one that has advocated for me to be able to go to conferences and things. Um, I, I never forget, they had a pioneer panel at my first, now this is my first time at the Philadelphia Trans Health Conference and this is when I met her in person. And this was around, I wanna say, probably, oh, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Um, and I remember being so excited to meet her in person. And then in person, she was so cool. And um, they had a trans pioneer panel, a, tra a, tra a trailblazer panel, I think is what it was on. It was a, tra a trans trailblazer leadership panel. And all of the other people on that panel were people that have, you know, been heavy hitters that did it for a long time. And uh, one of the panelists uh, that was originally supposed to be on it wasn't, um, wasn't able to make it. And um, my trans mother, Lisa Newsom, was on the panel. But anyway, last long story short, Monica, I, th they asked me to be on the panel. A group of elders, including Charlene from Philly and a lot of other people came over to me at the conference because I was teaching some workshops that year. And they were like, do you mind being on the, on the panel? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't done anything. And I remember Monica really in her very direct way, letting me know that we all trailblazers. And she was really bigging me up in a way that was very shocking because again, I had just met her, but she respected the shit out of, out of me. And I guess she's so connected to community that she had kind of known about me before. So it was just very affirming. And I just remember that love being there. And immediately it, it, it made me feel embraced and I was able to be on that trailblazer panel and, you know, Kim Watson was on it. Like it was a really one of those heavy hitter panels. And I, I was, hey, baby, my dog came and spoke. Sorry, y'all. But, um, go with your daddy. Go, go, go. But, um, I was really, really, really impressed by that experience. And like I said, she came here to Atlanta a few times. She actually came for one of the, so a trans girl was murdered here um, a couple years ago in 2016 and, or 2017, I believe it was. 
and Monica Roberts came down and was actually, and this was a very community kind of ad hoc because you know, you know, a lot of money doesn't go behind it. A, a lot of our funeral services, but the community came together and through this um, memorial for the girl. And I remember Monica Roberts doing her typical laughing before she could finish her joke. And she was really trying to bring a joy to the space. And it ended up being quite the celebration. And she sang along with us. We were singing like, you know, traditional songs and she was singing along with us. And it was just really, really affirming to have her there. And I know that she will be, she's somebody that really did the work. In a world where a lot of these girls are in it for the, for the likes and the clicks, I appreciate that she was an elder that could have just sat on herself and been by herself and did her thug fizzle, but she chose to dedicate her life to service. Yeah, Monica was one of them people like, if you were a bad bitch in community doing it, she would come and find you. Yes, God. And, and most I most like icons and people that, you know, have the status or have the name don't really give that. But she was just that type of um figure in our community that um if you were really doing the work or you stood out she already knew who you were mm -hmm. and she she would reach out to you i just remember every time she came to a city she would want to go and go to the different organizations in that city mm -hmm. um, and you know be a part and really meet the people and talk to the girls um the first time i met monica um I met her at the White House, um, and it was it was like during the Obama administration when trans when trans they were letting us in, girl. Right, they were they were all they were constant events at the White House, and it was my first time meeting her, and she was on a panel, and it, I can't I think we they had like a. Um, like a like a lunch at um, the LGBTQ task force where they brought mm -hmm. a whole bunch of girl, the girls back there. And I'm gonna be honest, when I got finally got to meet her, I thought she didn't like me. I thought she did, I thought she didn't like me because like I don't know. I guess like I don't know. I guess like her and like I don't know. It just felt like she was being short with me. And, and it was weird because it's like, oh my God, this is Monica Roberts. And I, you know, I hope I ain't do anything to offend her. So I had walked away from it, like feeling like she didn't like me, but seeing her more and getting to know her more, like she really, um, she, not only did she like me, like she really respected me and she respected, um, you know, my position and, you know, how I saw things. And she was very encouraging. Um, when I went to law school, I um, was raising money to get to law school. And she graciously, um, you know, put my GoFundMe on her blog and she supported me going to law school. And in fact, because my GoFundMe was on her blog, I was able to raise all of my money and meet my goal. Um, and wow, then, that's powerful. I remember another situation in Chicago when I was going to get into a little altercation and the only reason that it didn't go down is because she got, she yanked me up and dragged me out of hall. She was like, you cannot do this. You are going to be somebody and this is not worth it. And like, she, like, like Monica was like just one of the forces that was like bigger than life. And like, you don't really see that with a lot of the, um, leader like like when i came out being trans 
it was just certain leaders in the activism space that like they just seem bigger than life mm-hmm. and they just seem like you know powerful and like um like they just had no fear in the world and monica's definitely with amongst those class of like trans women that had you know seen it all and just that are bigger than life and I remember her yanking me up and dragging me down the hall and was like you cannot do this you do. like like really but 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 really having my back but um, right she, she saw something in you and she didn't want that incident while you were very very valid for being upset she knew that it, she knew that you're not a girl she was gonna let make a mistake Right. And I live for that. And that's the kind of woman she was. And, you know, speaking to your first experience with her, she is a, so the the, the thing about Monica is that she is a very, very um, direct person. And sometimes that could come off as gruff. And sometimes like she can also be a little reserved. And there were times where, like I said, the first, I've seen her, I've, met, I'm not, I've seen her multiple times over a period of years, but there were times where she was more and less social with me per se. But I never took it offense because when it actually came down to the when the rubber hit the road, like she was we really always with you. Yes. And um, I never forget how tight her hug was the last time I saw her. And that is what I will cherish for the rest of my days. I'm low-key mad because um I had a, a couple phones ago. I had a phone that had all of, I had pictures of with her in it from that event. And I don't know, and I don't know how that didn't get uploaded to my Google Photos, but I don't have them anymore, or at least I gotta find them how I can get them. But um, I know everybody's putting up the pictures. I know you put up some wonderful pictures with Monica Roberts, and you know, I, I guess for right now, I just have memories. But baby, even beyond, even without me, even before I met her, her articles were things that I shared. She informed conversations that I had with my friends and family. She just really was a thought leader. And I want to take this moment also to give a shout out to her family, her chosen family, her her, her biological family, her, her, her mother. I know she was extremely close with her mother. But also, shout out to Dee Dee Waters. Shout out to Diamond Collier. These are the girls that, that, were, that consider her close personal friends that actually... Um, um, you know, that organized with her, loved with her, spent time with her on a regular basis because they live in the same state. So shout out to those ladies. I know that this is very hitting you very personally. And I know Dee Dee, I know she took, she was the one that actually took to the internet and shared the story. And, um, you know, and I know people were giving her a lot of pushback for not wanting to say all the details right away. And I think she handled that situation so gracefully. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was one of the voices. I love, that was so I love her yeah. so much. I love her so much. Shout out to you, Dee Dee. I really do live for you. Um, just because you real as fuck, and I love your nails, and, <laughs> and and I just live for the fact that you don't play by yours. You don't play by yours. You don't play by your people. And I'm that very that way too. So that's something that I have to respect. And while I don't think I've engaged with you very much in person per se. I, I, I can't wait to the day where we can finally have a key girl because I really feel like I'm going to like you and I'm looking forward to meeting you. Um, Diamond, thank you for your interview. I know she gave an interview with the, um, I believe it was the um, ABC affiliate in um, Houston. Houston. Yes, in Houston. And she gave a good, a wonderful synopsis of what Monica meant to us and just talking about her life and legacy. So shout out to Diamond. I know that you know, that was a very emotional time for you. So for you to be able to take that moment and use your light and your platform 
um, to talk about somebody that helped us. And I always say we run because it was women like Monica Roberts, that generation of women that had to do whatever they had to do, that, that, that really, really were about the business and not so worried about what it looked like. It wasn't even popular nor attractive to even do it. So it wasn't like you could get the clout that you can get now from being an uh, advocate. And these girls, because of the work that she did in conferences and policy making and advocating and lobbying on, on White House, we have the, the, the laws that we have today. And I feel like, unfortunately, because this community has gotten to this privileged place where a lot of, a lot of things are accessible to us that weren't before, a lot of people because they were so concerned about what it looked like, they probably, well, not probably, I know for certain that there were people in the community that, that because, you know, they were so focused on titties and passability and all of that, they don't receive women like Monica Roberts or uh, they wouldn't have even see, received the Marsha P. Johnson. They wouldn't have, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these girls now have gotten to this place where they are so focused on what it looked like and, and the privileges that these girls have gotten for them, that they are jaded and shady. And I, what I do respect is one of the last posts in this last month that Monica posted that really got a lot of traction was her talking about how CDs and non-conforming individuals were instrumental to the movement. Because even though she herself is a trans woman that's, you know, got all the clout she could want, she still wanted people to know that even the work that she does has been in tandem with the community at large and not just these particular girls who have these particular looks and these particular bodies with these particular surgeries. This work in community was founded on the backs of people who did not have the capacity or even the money or even the desire necessarily to want to be a full fembot. But because they believed in progress and they believed in fighting for everyone, they took the, the hit. And they, and they went through all of the judgments and all of the pushback and all of the fighting for then now these laws to happen and these insurances to be able to cover surgeries and for us to be able to even just navigate. You know, in the early thousands, it was still illegal some places in the South, in certain municipalities and smaller towns or whatever. It was still on the books, uh, illegal and a problem for you to be who you are. There was hard to get recognition. There were barriers to getting paperwork. Like, and because of the work of Ms. Roberts pointing it out online and really exposing a lot of the flaws in the system, a lot of shit got changed. And she was well-respected in Houston, friend of the mayor, friends of senators. She was a really, really powerful woman. And if we were to go off of what it looked like, some of you bitches would have missed your motherfucking blessing. For right. sure. And and to think about how she brought it through as a dark skinned black trans woman in fucking oh. Texas, right? To to make her mark on the world, like who like who was who was who was doing that back then? Like who was and Monica's like only a year older than my mom, so mm -hmm. like who was really doing that um back then? And even I I want to give credence to her impact in the world of journalism <laughs> and like reorienting how we cover trans deaths because uh -huh. um, i think her her blog was born <laughs> out of her actually taking stories that misgendered us and dead named us when we were um the victims of violence 
and reorienting them to to respect <coughs> us in death and you know paint us as the victims and um give us our dignity and to do that in 2006 when she started that blog was a was an act of resistance and it was a um, <coughs> radical act and just that just that impact alone like for for one person to change industry um why you know how we report these things um that and and fact that goal extends well outside of houston like now it's a national thing that when you have somebody that is transgender that is murdered there is a certain way that you <laughs> have the story and mm-hmm. that is largely in part due to the work of monica roberts through her blog and also her not only just the the reporting of the stories, her unearthing all of, unearthing all of these stories about us from history. Mm-hmm. Because we first transition, what did they tell? They tell us we're crazy. They tell us we don't exist. They tell us, oh, this is new, and y'all are forcing us on us. But she actually did journalistic work of unearthing us from the past we have always been here and every story i remember like a couple years ago i did like a black trans history month where i highlighted 28 or 29 different black trans people almost if not all of those people that i highlighted especially the older ones i found out about them through the trans griot blog Mm-hmm. And you have to think about the dedication and the research that went into that, um, going all the way as far back to the 1800s, um, documentations of Black trans people. Yes. Like, that, that's revolutionary. And for all of these, like, when you have Black trans celebrities, we, do, we don't just get to be celebrities out and about. Now, when you have your Laverne Coxes or your Janet Mox, you have to go out there not only promoting your work but with a politic with mm-hmm. a politic that uplifts our community yes monica roberts blog and her history and her research and everything she put in has created the foundation for how we present ourselves for those of us who are celebrities for those of us who have platforms <laughs> for those of us who have a politic like you don't you 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 can't say that um monica you can't you can't talk about black trans folks and not include monica roberts herself and not include her work a part of that conversation like you just don't you just because before her we didn't know the history we didn't know the language we didn't know like you can't talk about disclosure in the history that was in disclosure the the film and not talk about Monica Roberts. And just like, for those, and for those of you who, oh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say, sis? No, I'm no, I'm just saying you just can't like this modern like trans rights movement that is largely led by Black trans feminine folks, and not to exclude the trans the trans men because y'all are there too. Definitely, but, and she worked very closely with the trans masculine community. But with the the politic, the the tra- the Black trans feminine politic. Monica's work and everything that she's done from when she started her blog on up, she has created the foundation for a lot of that. Definitely. Um, For those of you, I mean, we're talking about how important she is, but I also want to take this moment 
because what I did do this week was I really went back through her blog and I, I, I really took my time to just kind of grasp and get a better idea of who she was as a person. So she also, not only did she, it wasn't like, so for those of you who, who, who wanted to, who, who may think, oh, well, I'll go see her blog when I want history. She didn't just talk about history. She kept up with current events. She had, um, she was a, an advocate, an advent, an, excuse me, an advent sports person. So she kept up with the NFL, she kept up with even I think her last post on her website is about um, the about the NFL season results and you know the things that she was following and her picks for the week and she was very interested in diverse things. She covered trans pageants. She covered um, you know people who did things in history currently. Even like you know if you wanted to know you know, what was going on in trans life. Mia Mason, she covered her um, historic Maryland, Maryland congressional run. She covered a lot of different things. And just so if you want to really know yourself and know more about the world and how black transness and transness in general was evolving and the, the work that was done, she was an excellent, Griot was the perfect name for what she was. She was really a chronicler of our existence and y'all should really take part in that. Um, I just want to take a second also to acknowledge some of her accomplishments. Um, so she was a GLAAD Media Awards Outstanding Blog Finalist 2014, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. She actually won the award. She was the winner of the 2018 GLAAD Outstanding Blog Award. Um, she was a member of the National Association for Black, for Black Journalists. Um, and the National Association for Hispanic Journalists. Um, she also was someone that, um, she was. She appeared at the Bolero Project. She's been on Ebony.com. She's written for the Huffington Post. She's written for The Advocate. I mean, this lady was wide ranging and encompassing. And for those of you who did not have the privilege of knowing about her in life, you need to know your founders. And if there ever there was a founder, it was her. Um, among her many honors were the Virginia Prince Transgender Pioneer Award, the Robert Cole Call of Service Award, the Barbara Jordan Speaking Award, the Barbara Jordan Breaking Barriers Award, um, and the 2020 Susan G. Hyde Award for Longevity in the Movement. So just, I just wanted to take a moment to speak her name and to honor her achievements because for those of you who need to see those things, because I know there are a lot of girls that really go in about relevance you can't get more relevant than her. And I feel like y'all need to really remember that and, 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 and really, really re that, re remember that in part of knowing yourself, part of really being okay with yourself, part of embracing yourself is embracing our culture. It's not just about your individualized transition because you didn't transition in a, in a, in a vacuum. You, if there were other people in the work, there are other people in community, for those of you girls out there that uh, miss I'm stealth, and don't get me wrong, I understand the necessity for, for some girls in certain locations to be discreet, but you should still not be the kind of person that doesn't appreciate the community and the leaders. And I think we need to tear down the logic that there's two types of girls, that those are the types of girls, there's advocate girls, there's these type of girls and that type of girls. Like, we need to stop doing that. We all need to embrace each other. And if you really, really are saying that you are a trans woman that knows herself, you have to know your history. And 
this is a great her transgrio her blog um it was transgrio.blogspot.com that is somewhere you need to go right yeah y'all yeah y'all definitely need to go go through the blog educate like it's our history it's our um culture but yeah like her i'm just happy that i got to make it to the last btech conference um, cause we just had, we just, everybody just had a good time and I just remember her smiling the entire time. Like I just, Ooh, that, that, and again, that goes back to, I don't know when we'll ever be able to be in a conference setting like that again, Conferences, but, yeah, but that's why, that's also why it's so important, so important to support our own. Mm-hmm. to support our own stuff and love on each other like when i went to the btech conference it was a love fest i was just about to say for the girls that don't know these conferences be love fests like you if you if you're a girl that really really needs to feel like you are embraced by community if you need to feel like you're not alone if you need to just just meet somebody that's going to give you a genuine hug on your neck and then not be a, a ugliness baby these conferences and the tone was set by maybe people people like Monica Roberts, but these conferences, this is the place to get your love fest on. Right, and and it's a and so many people have tried to discourage me to go. Like, oh, you can't mess with them, and they do this, and they don't do that, and it's a mess. It's, it, you you have to be skeptical of people that try to discourage you from being in community, especially when they give you no alternative or they themselves aren't even connected to it. A lot of people will discourage you from shit that they don't go to. Right. And that's the gag. They're going off of what they heard or a post they saw on the internet or a rumor mill about somebody that was on the panel or something that happened a previous year. And they're making these uninformed decisions to just not show up to panels and conferences. But just know beyond the bullshit that may go behind the scenes with conferences, I've been on I've been on boards for conferences and things. And I'm gonna tell you this, beyond the bullshit that goes behind the scenes, because yes, a lot of conferences are funded by nonprofits in the nonprofit industrial complex. And they have their own set of shadiness that they they put on community and the expectations of us to throw these things with shoestring budgets while y'all get maximum press. Like there's all kinds of other issues behind the scenes. And, and, and all of those things are valid, but it does not change that some of the most affirming experiences in my entire life were at conferences to the point where I brought my husband, I brought my family, my brother has come before, cousins have come before, people, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I have made it my business to, um, to include people in my life in the conferences because there are workshops and meetings and things. And Monica Roberts and people like that were instrumental in making sure that, you know, Everybody felt warm and accepted. I know for this coming BTAC, she was really working very closely with um, the trans amorous men's groups. And they were going to have panels this year. They were going to try to do a redo of what was supposed to happen years ago in Chicago. (laughs) Yes, girl. So it's it's supposed to be a whole, a redo with with similar characters. So, but the goal, but the point was, is that she was- At least we don't have to worry about no action this time if it's virtual, honey. (laughs) Exactly. But even then, but even then, even if it's, even if it's not virtual, 
I know that she's one of them girls. It wouldn't have happened on her watch. And that's why I encouraged my husband and some of these other men that are a part of these groups to really, really, you know, reach out to her and, and figure out how they can get on the conferences. She was making it happen. Her, you know, and I know that, um, she was deputizing diamond to do some stuff. And like, I just want to say, like, we just have to be very, very grateful for the, for the gifting that she was and the gifting that community is. And I think segueing into our next topics is culture. Our culture is founded around us finding safe spaces to be ourselves. And those safe spaces may look, are unique and specific to us and to the outside world. They may look like something that is problematic or based in all these other things. And a lot of girls will start their transition. And the first thing that they will do is look at these culture, look at the culture, judge the culture, judge the women in the culture, and then say, I don't want to be a part of that. And they oftentimes will make it their narrative in life. Oh, I only hung out with straight people. And oh, I'm not connected to none of that shit. I don't deal with them girls. As if we are dirty. As if the work that is done for you to be able to be that kind of bitch didn't happen. So it is interesting that we need to shift, that the girls in our community sometimes out of, initially I believe it's probably out of insecurity, maybe even, you know, the insecurity around safety and your well-being. But if you don't connect to community at some point, and this is for my younger girls out here, you will miss out on a wealth of information that can make your life easier. And a lot of times when you hear the girls saying, I wasn't connected to community, baby, that life is a chop because they haven't really been able to understand how to respond to things and react to things and advocate for themselves. And a lot of those girls, they will say, oh, I don't connect to the community, but you show up to the services that the community helped develop. You show up to the services that were based out of ballroom girls, that that were based out of ballroom. You benefit from the stuff that came out of pageantry. You benefit from the stuff that came out of drag. You benefit from the stuff that came out of our culture. But a lot of girls... They just, it's, it's, it's really a problem with them accepting that we are, we don't do, we don't serve any purpose to, de- we don't serve our own best purpose to deny ourselves. What were your thoughts, sis? Well, let's, let's zoom out. Let's let, so how, how we got this to this particular topic and, you know, let me say this, this is all in love. I, you know, I I am a watcher of T.S. Madison shows on her platform, and she has a new show, um, T.S. Madison After Dark, and I was working this weekend, and I had the show playing in the background, and on this particular episode, they were saying, the, the conversation had came up about um, Pose and how they did, initially didn't watch Pose in the beginning because they thought it wasn't about them. And her and her um, son was on the panel and it, it devolved into a conversation of, well, when I came into the scene, there was no such, they, we didn't have a ballroom scene and I was hanging around the trade. And when I finally learned about the ballroom scene, you know, I just didn't understand why you would get up in the front get up in front of a group of gay men and have them judge you and battling girls and that you know that just wasn't my world but then it went to we did watch it and I did see the similarities in the show but to me the thing that kind of turned me off was just the tone um Mm -hmm. towards ballroom when that is that is part of our culture Mm -hmm. and this whole 
and but I also have to keep in mind that her audience is the cis hats, mm-hmm. and they kind of they kind of live for that stuff, especially when we're disparaging our own. Mm-hmm. And you know, and this is, but I I just think I just find it ironic how you have that tone about like the ballroom scene or just cultures that are are built or based on black queerness yes. but you on the other end you benefit from those same cultures like you're going to the pride of it and and then she says something to the effect of well i'm only around them when i'm getting paid and i'm getting money and it's just like how horrible is that says that seems very exploitative exploitative like um so you like you can only deal with us when we're paying you like you know, you're no different than Miss Thing from City Girls that said she don't want to have a gay son, but it's okay because she don't she don't hate gay people because they do her hair and her makeup. And that's how shady that comes off. And I don't think she realizes that by saying that she's playing into the narrative that it's something wrong with us. Right, and it's just well, we were up in a straight club, and I just couldn't relate to that. And it's just like or I couldn't relate to the show. And it's just like, well, sis, you yourself said, like, my first point is you yourself, you know, tell your story about being um, a street-level prostitute in Miami. And if I'm not mistaken, there is a culture associated with girls working a stroll or girls on a beat. And that's that's inherently another part of our culture, which is inherently queer. You can't just like she you. wants somebody to not judge her. We there's a lot of girls that even in ballroom and these other cultures would say that her as a porn star is not a part of the culture. Right, and it's like you weren't you weren't in those cishet straight clubs all of the time because if you were that safe in those cl- the clubs or in culture with them, you would have been that safe to go and then work alongside them in the daytime. But system Ooh. systemically, you cannot do that. And that's no judgment to her, but it's but it's a judgment to the fact that the lack of understanding, even around you even saying you didn't see yourself in ballroom, when ballroom is a culture that is founded on. So her judging girls that are in ballroom as why would you go up there for these gay men? What you don't what she did not realize is, is that ballroom was founded in was founded in the early 1900s on the backs of black and and Latino trans individuals in New York who wanted to have an outlet and a safe space to express themselves. And who were, and who were doing what? Sex work to survive. And Thank you. Their families. So like, and stop acting like competing against each other is only something that black LGBT people do. Cis have people do, black cis have people do the same thing with battle rappers and break dancers. Like, like, competing and being beautiful and being ostentatious and showing how fab you are that's a part of being black is it what hurts her denying ballroom is like saying i don't do cookouts i don't i don't i don't go to you know i don't i don't do i don't do black events i don't do it, it really comes off like that trump supporter not saying that that's she was in any way aligning herself but i'm making the comparison to black people that try to distance themselves from blackness at the expense of their own people. And and then I'm not saying that she intended it for it to come off that way, but it did come off like she was pandering to this larger narrative that a woman does not participate in these things. Right. And it's just like, and she's endemic of other trans women that feel like 
you you don't need to or you can't associate with like other trans women or other que- or other butch queens or whatever and it's like ballroom is a very valid part of our culture drag the drag scene black drag scene is a very valid part of our culture the j setting scene or whatever that's a very valid part of our culture and i um um pageantry yeah pageantry is a part of our is a part of our black lgbt culture and when we degrade it and then then we cheapen it or acting like well that's like it's okay to not do it right do it but just that extra stank on it and then to then to then on the back end of that say well i was in the straight club and it's like well girl what how how were you any safer in the straight club than you were with the girls exactly and we just have to remember like that's a great example of you have to remember that a lot of these people that have these large platforms, just because a lot of people follow them, doesn't mean that they're the most knowledgeable, doesn't mean that they're the most the most connected, doesn't mean that they're the most, they just happen to be popular. And popular is what people think now means advocate. Popular does not mean that you're an advocate. Popular does not mean that you have the best interest of community. And just because somebody looks like you, we all know your skin folk is not necessarily your kin folk. And I just want to push back at some of these leaders that are trying to make the world believe that I'm better than somebody. You're not better than anybody. You, if you didn't do it, fine, you didn't do it. But then don't go back and then say, and I don't understand why girls do it. If you right. don't understand it, seek the knowledge on your own, but don't get on your platform and show how ignorant you are to the world and, de- and denigrate your own. That's not right. Hey, this is this is our culture, whether you are a part of it or not. Is our cult and it kind of ties back into the Monica Roberts thing. It's about taking taking pride in our culture and what we do and what right. we can create and and the impacts that we have left in the world that largely go uncredited. Exactly. And for her to even, and and just, and, you know, like you said, back to what you were saying about her being a sex worker. So just like in the show Pose, just like in a lot of the, a lot of the world today, many of us, because of the lack of resources in life, are, are having a sex workism is a way that a lot of girls start their transition. So it's no judgment to that. But the only difference between you, Madison, and the girls that, and those little girls in ballroom was they went inside off the stroll sometimes and you didn't. Right. Like it, like it, like went inside off the stroll and chose to engage in a community where they were mothers, where they were leaders, where they had a say so and a power, where they were able to showcase their talents that the world wouldn't accept. I mean, so just because you weren't talented enough or or you didn't desire to be a part of that culture at any point, doesn't mean that the girls that decided to walk off the stroll and go inside and do something else and be a leader in some capacity, even when they don't necessarily are not able to be leaders in their jobs, in their communities, even in the, in the world, they may have been looked down on as these small, you know, these low level, trashy, dirty people. But when they took, when they were able to go in the ballroom and put on the full armor, when they are able to go into pageantry and put on the full armor of what it means uh, uh, and their full glamor and really be a leader in something that is powerful. And how dare any girl, not just her, because this ain't really about her per se. She just made some comments that we just didn't care for. But the deeper narrative here is that we have to stop making it seem like that parts of our culture don't apply because you personally didn't choose it. I have not been in ballroom. I'm not a ballroom girl. 
But that does not mean that I don't understand ballroom. It doesn't mean I haven't attended balls. It doesn't mean I don't have my ballroom phase. It doesn't mean that I'm not engrossed in the culture because from a young age, I understood this is our greatness. This is we our have many, We have many cultures within our culture. Many. It's just like how blackness develop hip hop. Ballroom is our hip hop. Ba- pageantry is our hip hop. Like it's our way of using our voices and channeling it into a constructive way in a medium where we can showcase our skills and talents. That's really what it is. Right. And it's just like, we gotta stop, sh- we, we gotta stop shitting on parts of our culture to appeal to cis Like we got, we got, because you know, because what we do know is if she got killed tomorrow, them same people that was going up for her and when she, when she was denying her culture would not even share the post, bitch. Right. We got, we have to stop shitting on our culture and devaluing our culture because you know who's not going to, who's going to see how we devalue it? White people and they're going to steal it and try to repackage it and make it their own. You know who's going to see, see us when we try to distance ourselves from our sister saying, well, I don't do that or I'm over here. What that is communicating to cishet people is, oh, she's a loner. She likes to be by herself. So she's a target. So I can do whatever I want to her. And because she's not in community, it's not really going to matter that much because she she already is apart from them. She thinks she's better than them anyway. It's just like, like, damn that. Like, come be a part of the community. Come be a part of the community. And it don't mean you have to walk a ball. You can spectate. But at the end of the day, these are your folks. These are your people. Exactly. These are your, these are your people. Take pride in it. And Madison, Though you might not be in ballroom, you act like a ballroom house mother because you have all them queens all up and through your house. So stop stop acting like like you're not you're above it, girl, when it's in it's in your nature. How you relate to the butch queens that you always have around you. Like like exactly. you, you may not call it a house, you may not call it that, but you're a mother. You have trans, I mean, you have children. You have a, you have a, a male child that you call your daughter. Because, where, do, where do you think that comes from? I mean, bitch. Where do you think, that, do you comes think that comes from? It either comes from the ballroom or from the pageantry. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure she was exposed to some residue of the culture because how the fuck would you even know to do that? Right. Thank you. Or it comes from the stroll because they do that one. Like it's different. Like, it's different communities within our community. Like so. But like, again, like you say, the girls on the stroll are the girls in ballroom too. Right. Or so. Or there are some girls on the stroll that never come to balls, but they interact with the girls that do go to balls, so they know something about it. Exactly. It, the so two that, are two, and they're interconnected for you to say something like that. Right. But we got we have got to stop shitting on our culture and devaluing our history. Because if we do it, then they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we got we got to stop shitting on our culture. We got to stop valuing. Oh, I I went to the straight club and I I got like I was for me. I was never one of those girls that really, especially when I was like deep 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 pass deeply passable or i was performing my my womanhood in a way where i could you know pass like that i was never one of those girls that had to be around like cis hat people all the time because i knew who i knew who my people were and i knew that we had our own things and i and i was empowered from being around that 
Exactly. And that's not to discourage or to judge the girls that, like you say, every city don't even have gay clubs. So I'm not saying that for the girls that don't have that, uh, that capacity or for the girls that choose not to, that that means that's a, that, that's a reflection. Hell, I went periods of my life very early on before I was connected to culture where I was the girl that was only going to straight clubs because I was in college and that's where everybody was going and they had a college night. So it was, it was very like I was doing that. But as soon as I found out that there was a place where I didn't have to be nervous if Trey came up to dance with me, there when as soon as I found out that there was a place where I could talk to other girls and I could walk into a room and and it's a it's a room full of people that look like me that have that dance like me that talk like me that have similar cultural touchstones as me. It was so affirming. It was so connecting and like you know, there's a lingo, there's a culture. Like we are not. Somebody, what's really fucked up is even before we had acknowledgement of it, we did a great job of world building for ourselves. And you are really cutting yourself off, like we've been saying, from the world, the world that we've created, the safe world that we created in within the world by 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 not even trying to connect. So it's not judging you if you just if that's what you prefer, but still be knowledgeable and don't speak ill of it if that's not what you're right. into. Fine. And also know, girl, that it's not completely safe, bitch. Like, don't like, don't be no fool. Right. Nothing in this world is completely safe. So, like, let's not give it that. And there are problematic parts of that culture. And and maybe that's part of what she was trying to speak to. You know, there is a part of the culture where gay men with their patriarchy do have co-opted a lot of the leadership and have and make girls feel like that their purpose is to be a look and be a certain way. And that goes into some of the ways the girls perform femininity and the respectability politics, which I know we're going to talk about next, but to, 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 to just to wrap this, just remember that we are unique and that while we run, while the culture in large has had a lot for a long time, we've flown on the radar, the lens is on us now and what we say matters, how we paint it matters the critiquing that we do just like when as black community we say some things need to happen in-house this is a situation where the the critiques that we have of the culture the the the, the ways that we want to improve it we need to do handle that in-house and if you do have an issue with the way ballroom is set up and the way some of these other things are happening that's fine and valid and there are a lot of problematic shit that does get upheld that could be changed right right but don't ever forget where you came from. That is your bedrock, baby. And if you and if you don't know that, you're gonna be sadly confused when you think that the world, because you've been going to the straight clubs and you tell them that that that's gonna give you a pass, because it doesn't. It doesn't. And to be real, a lot of the a lot, just like with Monica Roberts and the work she did in activism, a lot of the acknowledgement for our culture even has become out of ballroom. And so even for her to even have that platform that she has, it's, ball, it's actual ballroom girls and their legacy and people living for them online and the Laomi's of the world and the people that were able to take ballroom and go mainstream with it. It's because of those girls that these networks were even considering giving Madison deals. Because it, it's, it's because of those girls that did pave the way through the ballroom and the other ways and the other methods, sex work, all the other parts of culture. It's because of those girls 
that actually made it possible for her to be big dick bitch and for her to be the girl on the computer shaking her dick and now being being allowed to be on TV. They weren't going to, believe me, trust, the world that we live in and the way they judge sexuality in general, you couldn't be the big dick bitch if it were not for ballroom girls and, and, and people that, the, 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 the people that, the Tracy Africas of the world, the, the Laomis, the people that actually participated in that culture, it was a huge part of their transition and they went mainstream before you. So don't forget your founders either, even in the blogging and the the online content providing that you do. Right. For sure, for sure, for sure. Well, this transitions us perfectly, I guess, into our next topic is, in general, the respectability politics in community. Um, Brianna, did you want to take the lead on this one? Um, no, you can um, take the lead on it. Okay, cool. So increasingly, um, even before, you know, um, before, I think I, I will say, I'll say now for about four or five months online, I've really seen increasingly over and over and over. I'm in groups where literally every three posts will be a black trans woman in a group with primarily black trans women, sometimes in groups with all black trans women. And they will come into the group and say things like, Oh, if you're not on moans, you're not a girl. Or if you can still come, you're not a girl. Or if you don't have bags, you're not a girl. Or if you don't look a certain way, think a certain way, act a certain way, or perform femininity in, in a certain way. If you're not real enough, if you don't have the right hair. I've heard girls reading somebody because it was like, oh, you must be a CD because you have on a synthetic wig. Bitch, what are you saying? Our community is on synthetic, bitch. Like, I, I just it's just was so problematic because... What has happened is that access has happened and these girls have now access to all of these things and respectability politics have crept in. And when I say respectability politics, I'm saying comparing ourselves to a larger dominant culture that is based in white supremacy and anti-blackness and anti-queerness and using the logic of folks that don't give a fuck about us that want to marginalize us as much as possible, that want to limit the, the girls that they want to accept and the girls that they want to give the light to, you're taking that same logic and you're throwing it on your own people and now you're policing other people's transition. You're policing how they look, how they act, how they talk, how they walk, who they hang with, what clubs they go to, how they be in this world. And it is really fucked up to me but I felt it was important to talk about it today because as it relates to even, like you said, accepting our culture, but also accepting our leadership, there's a lot of girls that think that transness is problematic. There's a lot of girls that think that you're, if you don't want to be a cis woman or as close as possible, then you are not a woman or that you're not trans. Not realizing trans is an umbrella term and that, again, the reason why your motherfucking ass can call yourself trans because the word didn't exist in the early thousands, in, in, in the late, like it, not in the mainstream lexicon, it did not exist. So in order for you to get to that place where you now have this term that you can now tell people what, who, who's in it and who's not under it, the, you're, you're, not, you're forgetting the most important part of this process, which is, and, then, and, then, and for those of you, this is the inner community term, there's no shade to anybody, but it's because the bricks threw sticks. It's because the bricks threw bricks. 
that we have the ability, the girls that made that had to live hard lives, that made that life hardened them, maybe physically, maybe spiritually, maybe whatever, but it's because them bitches were warriors who fought that we got to where we are today. And it's a slap in the face to everything that came before you for you to then take the privilege that you have now, this, this ability to get surgeries paid for by Medicare, the ability to get your Medicaid titties, the ability to get your face film paid for by insurance, the ability to get your SRS paid for by insurance, your gender confirmation surgery pays by insurance. It's, it's, it's an offense to me and to the rest of the girls that have fought for these laws and for these ability and the ability for these things to be for you to then now police girls. And I am talking about direct attacks, tagging girls in posts so we can read her. I'm talking about literally like going in on girls back and forth online. And the first thing is, oh, you a man. Well, hold the fuck up, sis. How the fuck are you gonna call another trans woman a man? And then the reason, and your, and the reason why you say that is, oh, look at her picture. Oh, she clocky as fuck. Look at her shoulders. That's a man. And I'm like, sis, that's fucked up because the world is doing the same motherfucking thing to you as real as you think you are. And the sick part about it is, it's usually not the girls that have a pot, a window, or a reason to be able to talk that talk the most shit. What were your thoughts, sis? Um. You know, me personally, I I think I and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I've kind of opted out of the beauty game. I've opted out of the the mm-hmm. beauty matrix. I've opted Explain out of the beauty. that. So I no longer. I kind I think I kind of re- reject the cis gaze of feeling like I have to look a certain way or I have to perform my womanhood in a certain way to get acceptance because the re- for me the reality is is no matter how you look or how you perform or how you pass it does not matter if somebody is not going to like you because you're trans they're not going to like you and it's, it's no amount of trying to put yourself into these boxes that it might delay the danger, but ultimately it's not going to keep you safe. Well, let me so. say this is, you know, you said something that was very, very, very interesting just now. You said how you don't no longer perform transness in a way, your transness or your, how you be. You no longer perform that in a way where you're trying to get this cis gaze. What does that look like? Like, what are the things that you change that you no longer do? that were so important to you before when you were trying to get that gas. Just 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 my just my appearance, just um how I just feeling like I had to be feeling like I had to be hyper femme all of the time. Like always getting my hair done, always having makeup on, always like um wearing the 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 most feminine clothes, always like all putting so much effort into passing. Um, right, because you know, and I'm not gonna act like passing doesn't um, affect my ability to access certain things, because it does. And even with how I look now, I'm still able to pass in a way where I still um, am able to live like a life of anonymity or more confronted with the transness on a day to day basis. Right, or you know, pass. But I know at the end of the day, like me looking beautiful or me being that's not going to make a man love me and any harder or make him want to come out of the closet for me 
That's mm-hmm. not going to um, stop these Republican senators and even some of these Democrats from passing these laws to take rights away from me. Me passing is not going to um, make these cis women allow me into their organizations and be one of their like if people are intent on not liking you because you're trans it's no amount of passing it's no amount of um trying to perform like cisness that's going to make them accept you and for me i rather focus energy on you know loving myself or however i choose to show up on a particular day and like looking in the mirror and not just loving the parts of myself that are able to pass, but loving the parts of myself that make me trans and make make me feel different. And, you know, that, you know, that's different for everybody, but you like we as trans people, like everything does not fit into a perfect box or loving parts of my personality that aren't completely femme and not beating myself up over it or feeling um, bad because of it. It's just like, we are not cis people, so cisness is never going to save us. It's just, and no shade, thank God for the binary people, because for me, the folks that are non-binary, it kind of, fo- it, it forces me to um, redefine what it is to be safe, or read, or just redefine what it is to be free. And mm-hmm. also, and also challenging Ooh, yes ma'am that was good yeah. redefining what it is to be free bitch yeah and just challenging how i want people to show up in my um life especially men especially mm-hmm. because usually when we're dealing with these men they're the ones that are really um requiring us to jump through these femininity hoops so they can give us the bare minimum of, of attention mm-hmm. and i even had an interaction yesterday where a, um, a guy i connected with he was like oh you're not you're not going to have no heels on or not sir look you, first of all that's john talk you, you sounding like a john mm-hmm. and two when you're interacting with me a professional working woman I'm regular as fuck. So you're going to get what you're going to get and you either going to deal with it or you can actually stop being cheap and go pay somebody that's going to give you that fantasy. I'm not, I'm not that girl. I have, I have permission as a single woman who's doing stuff on my own, who, who's not having um, nobody do nothing for me to show up as I am and be loved and be, you know, be sexually pleasured to have an orgasm or to have it. To, like, I deserve that in my natural state. Yes. You need to know what I look like without no wig on or without no hair and still affirm me in my womanhood. And I feel like because we're so forced into these boxes, we never really, we don't give the we don't give the people in our lives the chance to really rise to the occasion, mm-hmm. nor do we give ourselves to really rise to the, we don't give ourselves the chance to rise to the occasion and demand more of the people in, in our lives. And, you know, I, I just think about our partners because it's like, so, so what is, what is he going to do once he sees you without all the makeup and your, your rawest form? And you know what, sis, you have brought up some really, really good points. And um, I think, I think, um, um, well, you, I'm gonna let you finish, but I I definitely have some points that I pulled from what you said. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was basically finished. Go ahead. Okay, no tea. Um, So you mentioned redefining freedom. And I feel like there was so much of, and then this is speaking from the I, um, in my life, 
Um, I grew up and, you know, like any young girl, cis or trans, you have your ideals, you have your, your favorite celebrities. You know, for me, it was Diana Ross. It was Dionne Warwick. It was, um, it was even Dolly Parton. It was, um, it was Jack A. Harry. Um, it was, um, all, it was all of these different personalities. It was the lady at the checkout center, at the checkout at Food Lion that had the most overlong nails and the, and the most awesomest hair that I'd ever seen. And she had like five chains and a heron bone as thick as a goddamn, you know, uh, as thick as a goddamn ruler, you know what I'm saying, around her neck. I mean, like, there were so many things that influenced me as a woman. And I borrowed, just like all people do, I, I, I was, and they, I borrowed bits and pieces from different people, or I was inspired by different people, not necessarily saying that I didn't, I took anything from them. A lot of my femininity was already in me, but just like a lot of women, I, just like any woman, you know, you have your role models and people that you look up to and people that you admire the style of, and because you admire it, you start to, you know, be inspired by it, and then you, you begin to experience these things. And so for me, when I first transitioned, my one, before I really settled into my personal internal self, I was only parroting what I thought woman was. And it took me going through years of like trying to figure out how I can be the least me possible and trying to make sure, like you say, we're a full, you know, I have, I have always had beautiful hair, beautiful long hair, but I thought that my hair wasn't enough. So then I always wore, and I have very thick natural hair. I'm, I'm you know, I'm very four CTs or maybe, you know, four, I have combinations of curls all in the same head. But the point is, is that I have very thick grade of hair and I always thought to be a girl, I needed to have this long flowing hair. I thought that in order for me to look my best, I had to minimize my features as much as possible. So it meant, you know, always, you know, having a face full of contour. It meant being done at all times. And I'm still that girl to a certain extent to this day. But now what I, what I figured out though was I had to define for myself what my freedom looked like. And it started to feel like a trap. It started to feel like I needed to do these things because this is what being trans meant. And this goes into kind of like what we were talking about, the, what was, and this is some of the maybe the not so pleasant parts of ballroom and some of these other things, but transness has become competitive. And I, and I do respect the fact the girls that do compete on that level and that's something that you choose to do, but for regular everyday life, to walk around feeling like you're in competition with somebody for something or feeling like if I don't look a certain way, I can't go outside. It began to feel like a trap for me. And it took me embracing my natural Afro and not having to wear wigs and weaves. It took me um, and, and natural hair, wearing natural hairstyles. It took me not feeling like I needed the long blonde wig or needing the six inch heels or needing to be dressed so sexually provocative all the time. Because what I realized was that woman is something that is not defined. There are masculine of center women. There are women that are our moms that aren't the most femme person in the world. We all have aunties, mothers, sisters, family members that will be considered tomboys that don't necessarily have this perfectly white European definition of what beauty is. 
and it and and it, and it really really was fucking with me because I have black features. So then I hated my face, my whole face at some at a certain point. I wanted to have this little pointy chin and this and you know this really tiny little J- Janet Jackson nose. And I felt like I needed to have you know the the most curvaceous body in the world. And yeah, I did go get me some curves. But the reality of it is, is that none of that stuff defined me. And a lot of the work that I've even gotten done has been after I've been a grown woman and I made a choice, not based on anybody else, but based on me. A lot of these young girls, a lot of y'all young girls, y'all are making choices based on what you think being trans is. And and, and, And what you're not realizing is, woman, even trans woman, is not something that is monolithic. It's not something that is this this rule set of rules. And one thing you said I really like, Brianna, was non-binary people and the non-conforming individuals, those are the individuals that really, really helped me to see I don't have to do all that. I don't have to do all that. Because my womanhood is secured. And I'm a, I'm a woman when I decided, when I, at, when I at 18, decided to say, fuck it, and began to start this process slowly, the best way I could. I, I, I feel like that's when I started my transition. But we live in a world where because of all of these benchmarks that we set for ourselves, there are some girls that would say, oh, no, you really didn't begin transition until you got all of this shit done. There's girls that would say, you really not transsexual until I got my titties. And that would have been stupid because I was a whole married woman. So it's just interesting to me that our community has defined itself based on these really, really tight, narrowly defined white Eurocentric ideals based in, you know, let's be keep it real. There was a part of community that at one point, there was a time where we had to go sit for, in order to even get on hormones, you had to go to some doctor who wanted to make sure you did what they considered a metal, a, a real life, a real life, um, a year of real life experience. And they assessed you based on how they felt you looked, how they felt you, you carried yourself, how you talked. They policed all of that before you could even get on hormones. And the Harry Benjamin stands of care were necessary in some ways to help to at least codify the process. And, and give a, a blueprint for how it could look. But those, had, those standards were problematic from the jump because they were based from a white man's point of view. And it was based on a, a, a white Eurocentric version of what womanhood looks like. Black women in general tend to be stronger, taller, bigger, wider, bolder. And what we what the Harry Benjamin standards of care did was it told us that being a woman was demure. It was soft. It was how you sit. It was how you carried yourself. It was your deportment. And a lot of those things don't aren't don't aren't organically a part of our life. And what it forced us to do was to ignore the uniqueness about ourselves. The fact that we are, you know, that we have masculine energy. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. And there are a lot of girls that probably just draw it up just then when I said that. But it's okay for you to be a trans woman and say, I have masculine energy as well. That does not mean that you're not a woman. It doesn't mean that you've lost any points. It, uh, it acknowledges the truth of our existence that we have a blended life that comes with a lot of great things that came with us that, that come along with who we are, that came with our bodies, that come with our experience. And so now we're trying to police how you have sex. 
We're trying to police how you engage, how you talk, walk, look, and think based on trying to deny masculinity in ourselves. And like you say, Brianna, that performative femininity, it, it can be a trap and we have to redefine freedom. Another point that I want to make is a lot of girls out here are really, really frustrated that there is there are that these men are so objectifying, that they're so focused on a look. But then we uphold the look by judging men who are okay dealing with we uphold the stereotypes, we uphold the oppression by holding up men by judging men that actually say I'm transamorous. We call them chasers. We denigrate them. We, you know, we minimize the, the, the men's desires that want to love us. And it's purely based in that internalized transphobia. It's the, it's the idea that if you want me as I am, if you want me without titties, if you're okay with a girl without titties, if you are okay seeing me and, or doing things with me that don't fit in this real norm, heteronormative box, then you are somehow flawed. And what it really says, sis, is that you don't love yourself as is because if you have to get all of these things to be who you are that's your personal dysphoria but then the problem is is now you're policing even the people that would love you and so then you're met you confused as to why your family is kind of still being why your family is still kind of being shady towards you and it may just simply be because you're performing femininity in a way that doesn't feel that that doesn't come off as natural because you're trying to be something that you think other people want to see instead of who you really are and i'm just keeping it real passing has nothing to do with how big your titties are how big your butt is how 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 extra femby you look what passing to me really is, is when you get up every day and you found strategies to navigate in life unencumbered and you're able to make it home safely. That to me is what we should be focusing on. Not all that extra other petty shit that the life puts on us. Because believe it or not, you're only helping the world judge us harshly when we do that to ourselves. You're only helping these DL men to want to, to want to have the most you know, physically advanced girl possible, but give her nothing. When you deny men that actually want to love you and actually want to stand by your side, that actually desire and, and prefer trans women, because there's a lot of girls that don't want men that prefer trans women. And that problem, we've talked about it previously on this episode and on several episodes, but I think here too, it applies. We have to shift the way we see ourselves and what, performing femininity looks like and actually give room for the expansion of it to include all types of expressions if we want to change the narrative that the world has about us because if you see yourself as a man the world will too if you make people feel small or if you try to paint this narrative that i hate myself the world will hate you back if you want love you have to look in the mirror wig off lash off face off, bra off, clothes off, pre-op, and, and say, I'm still a woman. And if you can't do that, then that's something you need to work on, sis. Before we get out of here, I just want to say, fuck you to the shade room. Yeah. <laughs> I just came across a story about them making Darius McCrary, a.k.a. Eddie from... Um, 
Family Matters a story because he liked the post on Sydney Star's page and told her she was pretty. Like, come on, stop, stop with the bullshit. And an article just came out on a shade room last week that basically re- drug them, talking about how their platform is anti-LGBTQ and how they that how it they have a a nasty anti-queer environment. And the the founder is like, well, we're not anti-queer. We just want to give the people space to say whatever it is that they want to say. And like, what would what would be the real reaction if we only had one side to the story? We want to hear all sides. But you're not showing all sides. They only paint. They only they only um, show the girls on there when the girls are related to exposing a celebrity. They're not. They're not talking about our greatness. They're not sharing no, that shit. No, it's uh, that is that. And when you have a again, when you have a platform as big and as powerful um, as y'all have, in the face of blatant transphobia, of blatant cis sexism, of blatant homophobia, you just don't sit back and raise your hands up and go. Well, you know, people are just going to no, not if not if you're really intentional on creating a space to really um create enlightenment and steer the conversation. You just don't you just don't put um you just don't throw the match on the gasoline and be like, "Well, girl, well, you know what happens when a a, a, mat, a, a lit match hits gasoline." No, and y'all do this all the time, and this is why black dark-skinned black trans women continue to be murdered and killed this is why trans amorous men and trans attracted men don't feel like they can come and be honest with y'all about their attractions because Mm. they have a moment of open affection with one of the girls it has the potential to become a new story when it doesn't need to be like so stop with the stop with the bullshit stop with the oh i don't want to be painted as anti-queer um brush when everything every step you take is anti-queer like stop let's also let's also point out too that um the j the shade room wants to think that they are a journalist they have and they but i think that they're bottom feeders and they have the lowest journalistic standards and i feel like they are all about trying to get a click The, the reason why i bring this up is because I oftentimes will see that the shade room, because for biz, for businesses like the shade room, anybody that will call it, like they call it, in the name, you know that it's going to be some shade. But also, you, they don't, you have to understand that in this day and time, any click is a click. Any view is a view. Any follow is a follow. Any share is a share. So if you eat, so we have to be careful too in accidentally promoting um, 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 platforms that don't support us, even by sharing the things that they say online, even if it, we're commenting on it in a way that we're critiquing it, you're still giving it life because every time I click on your post, though I, on your comment section, you may have said, this is fucked up. I'm clicking and the shade room now has my eye, has my eyes and clicks and likes and subscribes and shares. These things are not just things that are arbitrary, they make money. The, they, they base advertising based on these. Um, they, they, are, they actually are 
mining our information by the, when we click the websites by allowing these different um, spy softwares and different things to track us. So let's also be cognizant of remembering even in community that like screenshot whatever the fuck you want to say and just hard copy it to your page if you want to quote something from an organization like that because the reality of it is they don't give a fuck about us and offending us drives their numbers because right. all of us are going to go see what they looking at and we're going to reshare it and then when we reshare it for every five of us that agree and whatever we have our cis het haters that lurk on our pages that will share what you just shared and they will agree with the shade room they will try to they will share to out the celebrity and sometimes when like like you say this particular um the guy from family matters um when we share those stories we're outing him further we're making it more of a platform we're giving their platform more legs so let's also remember like to, to do it in a way that is strategic and to not drive content for them because they don't give a fuck about offending us. Offending us makes them money. So let's figure out a way to cut off their funding sources. And for us, it needs to be, we're not even entertaining you at all. Fuck your website. Yeah, I, girl, that, that just that just puts me off, girl, because this did not. And girl, this just goes to show, uh, I, I know a bitch queen is behind this because who else is following Sydney Star? Who else? A butch, a butch queen. A butch, a butch queen. That's a deeper conversation for another episode, bitch. The way gay men have betrayed us, bitch. Yeah, but I know a butch queen is behind us, but like we got, we have to. And girl, I shared, I shared the post, but you know, I put, I put my spin on it. But it's just, right, and that's not a problem. And I'm, we have a platform, so you're as another platform content provider sharing it in that way. But I'm talking about for the girls that will put it up on their post and actually kind of key. And, and actually kind of low-key kind of encourage the outing. Like, girl, that's not okay. Yeah, we're, we're, is, we, we don't even really know if he is trans amorous or not, but it's just the fact that a, a cishet man, man can't even say you look good or without being, without being a story when that's the type of world that we're trying to create where men can say that and they don't have to turn around and beat the shit out of you and kill you because they feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. I have cishet male friends and they will often tell me that they have had to check the dog shit out of people who will assume that because they are friends with me that that that, that somehow makes them, oh, you must be down with that shit. Well, why would you even have one of them as a friend? And luckily I have the kind of cishet guy friends, some that I've known from college, some that I've known professionally, some that I've known through my social circles that will advocate that that don't that love them some Samaya and will and will and will wear a nigga out of behind me and they don't want to fuck me and they're not a part of my life in that way where you know it's like some deep seated little sneaky thing and 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 they tell me that I'm pretty and 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 I don't understand why we live in a world and why the girls even sometimes will try to like oh girl like just cuz somebody tell you pretty sis don't mean he want to be with you just because some man tells another girl he she's pretty doesn't mean he's trans amorous. We're beautiful fucking creatures. And I just want us as a community to be more empowered to think higher so we're not inadvertently carrying the narrative that to want us is to, or to even be around us or to even compliment us means, oh, he must be gay or he must be into the girls or he must be down. Like, no, he don't have to be down to think that you're beautiful, sis. 
that doesn't necessarily imply that on its face. But, you know, that's the world we live in. And I just want, on Black grown trans women talk, I want us to be accountable and us to remember that these platforms don't give a fuck about us. So Shade Room, like, if we gonna cancel, we should cancel these not just not necessarily always just people we should be canceling these institutions that have benefited and become the organizations that they are off of sydney star story off of you know this girl was taught caught taking a picture with this celebrity stories like y'all have to remember that shit there is why people feel like it's okay to to deny us and even some people because of fear of being outing will kill us Oh my God, I took a picture with her. I'm gonna kill that bitch. She should have told me. Why would I have to tell you that I'm trans to take a picture? Why? Because the shade room will pick up the picture and will make this man's life hell. And he will feel a way because he just, he didn't even know. And it's not, I, you didn't have to know. Like what, what was the point in me telling you in that moment? I'm a human being in a public place. Like you taking a picture with me or you being seen with me or someone taking a picture of us talking doesn't mean anything. But in the world we live in, that's the reason why you have men saying dumb shit. Like I rather have, there's a thing online now where the people are asking, would you rather have a fought daughter or a gay son? And you will be gagged at how many people in our culture are so transphobic, so effeminophobic, so um, homophobic that they would rather have a family member that is, you know, that is, that is kind of doing, you know, doing things that aren't necessarily the best. We will uplift the drug dealers and these other things in culture that aren't necessarily the most positive, but heaven forbid you just happen to be trans and exist in a cishet space and get caught. Oh, bitch, you were hiding. You were tricking. Like, we just got to remember in community, like, let's not keep that narrative going by, like, going, like, y'all get out of Eddie Winslow's inbox trying to make it a thing. Like, let's, let's remember that we have to create a safe space for people to appreciate us. Or, once again, like, with respectability politics and all these other topics we talked about today, you're shooting your own fucking self in the foot. Yeah, girl, so... Shout out to Sydney Star. She is beautiful. She is absolutely gorgeous. Always has been. And, you know, hopefully one day we can live in a world where a black um, cis hat man can compliment a trans woman openly, girl, and then not be a fucking big deal. Exactly. Also, shout out to T.S. Madison. You know, I live for you, girl. And now and I, I don't want to end this podcast because I disagree. I critique something you said that the narrative gets out that box number five has a problem with her. I don't have a problem with oh, yeah, we Yeah, we don't, we don't have a problem with her, but... I still like, watch the shit, girl. Yeah, watch what the fuck you are, say. We are all content creators and nobody is above critique. And, and I'm not in the business of canceling other trans women who have different opinions than me. So right. that's fine. But I had my opinion and Brianna had hers and we shared our opinion today. That doesn't not in any way mean that we, I, I still follow, like, and subscribe to all her shit. And I make a point to be a supporter because I know that if we don't fucking do it, nobody else will. So shout out to T.S. Madison. Love you, girl. Love all of your ministries. Love, I even love your porn, bitch. It's no shade. So right. I'm not... It's, like and I'm not nobody's taking your place from history because no shade. You you she really made it comfortable for the girls to embrace their their whole bodies, including yes. their, their penises if they did not want bottom surgery. And it's a lot of black men that follow her. A lot of black men I've connected with that um are financial supporters of hers. And she when she came on the scene, she really 
um, you know, took everything to the next level. So she you know, did. Is- so yes, shout out to her. And you know, I want to just give her this personal acknowledgement. She's one of the few girls in, and and this is even before her platform that actually took what she was doing in sex work and made it an empire. And that's re- that's worth pointing out because I want to give her some life. Like you, sis, have really, really changed the motherfucking game. And a lot of these bitches, particularly in the girls that are transitioning out of sex work or making sex work a personal enterprise, you have set a standard. And I want to acknowledge you for that. Like you, the girl, putting out your own content on your own network when a lot of girls was going to black tea girls and these other things and getting five hundred dollars. Like you took it and made it your own, and I have to respect that. And I also love the fact that you have the kind of men that I like that are, that are in your scene. You, you actually, and I, I can tell that because it's produced by a trans woman, it actually features the men in a way that a lot of black men, black men in a way that a lot of these white porn production companies don't give a fuck about. They want to see black dick with their white booty holes, bitch. They don't give a fuck about black, black intimacy. And so she did showcase, she does showcase in her porn a black intimacy that is not really shared that much in mainstream porn. So I shout out to T.S. Madison, girl, I live. Yeah, shout out. So we've done an episode, I guess before we get out, rest in power to Monica Roberts. Yes. We forever indebted um, to you for everything that you've done for this community and the mark that you have left on the world. I just... Um, I know that, you know, because of what you did, it, it gives all of all of us content creators, all of us are journalists, it gives us permission to um, bring it through how we're bringing it through. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's not remiss, um, your impact on what we do. And we just hope that you've earned, you've, you've more than earned your rest. Before we go really fastest, um, before we do our, 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 um, our outro, is it possible that we could just take a moment of silence to acknowledge Monica Roberts, just like a five second moment of silence? Rest in power, Monica Roberts. (sighs) That felt good, sis. I enjoyed this episode. Yes. Are you going to take us out? Yes. Thank um so before we go, I want to thank you for all of your support um for Box Number 512 podcast Grown Black Trans Woman support. I also want to thank you for your support for my individual podcast The Lion That Still Lives um Conversations with the Black Trans Goddess. I want to you guys to know that we do not take for granted all of your interactions, all of your love and support. Feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. Also, go into anchorfm.com, click on the donation tab, and support a Black trans business. And rate like. and review. Also, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on all of these different platforms, because all of these things help help and drive, drive our content and improve our reach and improve our, our placement and all of that stuff. So, you guys, please, please, please continue to support us, and we love you, and we thank you. Um, This has been another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast. I am the Lioness. And I am Aeon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Don't forget to go to our anchor page to become a monthly sponsor. And also feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. 
And also, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast, Every Comment Matters. And lastly, please, please, please follow and tune in for our live interactive Facebook show every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye.